There's plenty of bad news out there. How about some good news? The book of Proverbs says that good news from a far country is like cold waters to a thirsty soul. I'm glad you're listening, because I do have good news. It's from a far country, so get out a tall glass. My name is Dean Kirshner, and I'm part of the Ministry of Gospel Link. As you can tell by the name, Gospel Link is centered on the good news of Jesus Christ, who He is, what He has done, and what He is doing today. The good news is that Jesus Christ is King. He's on the throne. He has risen from the dead. He's paid for our sins. The bad news is that the enemy continues to steal, kill, and destroy. There's earthquakes, floods, famines, wars. But you know what? Our Lord Jesus told us these things were coming. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you know these things are to be expected. This episode is the third in a series that I'm posting specifically concerning the war in Ukraine. There's a bitter war continuing to be waged, and I've titled this episode, Prayer in Wartime. You see, prayer is a weapon that has been given to the church. Prayer is communication with our commanding officer. Prayer is receiving marching orders and battle directives in our spirit. Prayer is a spiritual exercise, uh, quite honestly, not exercised enough. But during wartime, well, let's just say people depend on their money or on their intellect. But when they're at the bottom of their barrel or in a foxhole, they often turn to prayer. People ask me, how do you think this war is going to end over there? Now, I am Gospel Inc.'s field director for Ukraine, and we have over 70 national preachers with whom I have varying degrees of contact. Though I have to admit, over the past 13 months, I would have to emphasize the word varying more than the word contact. I don't know what is going to happen. We all know Russia has thousands and millions of men, and it seems that there is little discrepancy in using them up in sheer assault numbers. I think Putin put his faith and planning in false witnesses, and now he loses credibility if he withdraws. On the other hand, as long as the West supports Ukraine, they're fighting for their homes, their families, their freedom. They have the motivation to endure. I do know one thing. God's kingdom is coming, whether Russia prevails or whether Ukraine overcomes. God's kingdom is coming. And Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. When you pray about Ukraine, pray for his kingdom to come. Pray for salvation to come. We know that salvation is part of our Father's will. 
So I've come full circle, and I'm talking about prayer again. Prayer in wartime. Many prayers have been offered from that part of the world this past year. I watch European news, and you know, I haven't seen any reporting on prayer. The media sort of only follows the weapons of this world. But Yuri Fedorenko has witnessed the power of prayer in wartime. Now, Yuri is not a gospel-ink-supported preacher, but Yuri loves the Lord Jesus, and he is a preacher. He is an evangelical brother in Christ who serves as a chaplain full-time in the Ukrainian army. Being in the army has given him access unprecedented to normal lay preachers, and Yuri has made the most of it. Just a few days ago, I received several testimonies from Yuri, and you know what they say about good news from a far country. I'm going to straight up read what he wrote. So if the grammar is off, eh, hang with it. This is from Yuri Fedorenko. One day as we were traveling, we were stopped at the military checkpoint and a young soldier approached us. He looked dark and sad and had a certain heaviness in his whole demeanor. He asked us, do you often come through this way? We answered, da, da, yes, occasionally. He said, oh, all right, then I guess I can wait till the next time you come through. I asked, wait for what? The young man looked at me. Well, I need to repent. I need to get right with God. I promised my mama that I would pray and get saved. <laughs> I was amazed. I began to ask more questions. We learned that his mother was a Christian, and he too had known about God growing up. Now in this war, he was going through the severest trial of his life, and he knew that he needed to turn to God. He had promised his mother that he would take care of his soul. <laughs> By now we had gotten out of the car, and we spent time talking with him. I usually go with another chaplain when I can, and so I told my friend chaplain that I would spend time taking the other soldiers and talking to them at the checkpoint so that he could have some one-on-one -on -one time with this soldier and lead him to Christ. So I was talking to the guys, but out of the corner of my eye, I watched my chaplain brother and this young man. They are sharing together, they are talking, and then I see them, they are praying together. When they come back to return to us, I was astonished at what I saw. I've seen many people get saved, but this was a transformation that was truly a miracle. The young man lifted his face toward me. It was shining with a brightness and radiance that was a stark contrast to what I had been just seen minutes previously. Where there had been a darkness, and almost like a dirtiness in his countenance. Now he looked like he had just come out of Ukrainian banya. He is pure. He is fresh. There is joy coming from his whole being. What a difference God's love and salvation makes in a life. And we were able to be a part of God answering a mother's prayer. 
I would also like to share with you a story about God's protection, not just of one individual, but a whole battalion. When the war began, at one time, I was part of 2nd Battalion Chaplain for 93rd Brigade. This battalion was sent in to defend territory near Volnovacha in the Donbass region. They had already fought there and suffered casualties. Now they were being sent back in, and we were preparing for the deployment the very next day. The 300 men of this battalion were gathered together, and I was their new chaplain. I was sharing with them, standing before them, just final moments before their departure. As I spoke with them, God touched my heart. I sensed the Holy Spirit. As I looked at those men, he prompted me to say, Men, let's pray to the Lord that each one of you would return alive from this dangerous deployment. Konyeshna, <laughs> of course, they all agreed because no one wants to perish. But they also know that no battalion had ever been sent to the front lines and returned without casualties of some kind. Nonetheless, we prayed. I prayed that the Lord Most High, Jesus Christ, would protect each of these men and that they would all remain alive. The deployment to the front lines was for several months, not several days, not several weeks, several months. The 1st Battalion had many casualties. The 3rd Battalion suffered many casualties. But we are the 2nd Battalion. In our 2nd Battalion, only two soldiers were seriously injured. The medics thought at first that these two men would not make it. But they did. Both of them survived. The day came when all these soldiers stood at the very same place where they had left and where we had prayed months earlier. It was with a sense of amazement and gratitude that they remembered what had happened there. I prayed again with them, Lord in heaven, we thank you that you have preserved the lives of these 300 men when we cried out to you. Huh. So much has happened in the lives of soldiers during this past year of war. One day I was with a group of soldiers, and they were making tea and getting some refreshments as we talked together. When I told them how I wanted to share about Jesus Christ, one of the soldiers excitedly said, No, no, may I share first? May I speak to you what God has already done for me? I was a bit surprised by this, but I said, Of course, go ahead, speak. He began to share his story. He said to his, all his comrades, he said, months ago, I was ordered to dig trenches in the front line. I decided to take off my bulletproof vest and my rifle and other armor in order to work better. I was working with my back to the enemy line and only too late I realized that Russian soldiers had overrun our position. I was taken captive. During that horrible time in captivity, Every time I went to sleep, I thought of my mother. You see, my mother is a Christian. And I would pray, Gospody, if you exist, like Mama believes in you, then please tell Mama that I am still alive. I was a prisoner for three months until one of the prisoner exchanges between Russia and Ukrainian soldiers. 
When I finally saw my mother back home, I told her, Mama, Mama, I prayed that God would somehow tell you that I was alive. She looked at me. She says, Son, every single night since you were taken prisoner, I dream the same dream over and over. I see you in my dream. You are telling me, Mama, I'm alive. When I saw what God had done, I said, Mama, Mama, I, I believe too. I accept your Jesus. I share this story with you, friends, so that you can see how powerful the prayers of mothers are. Friends, churches, need to pray for our soldiers. They are truly part of the battle. God doesn't forget these prayers, and in the moment of need, he brings his help. So please, continue to pray for us. I was in one military hospital last year. I was visiting wounded soldiers and sharing Christ. I was praying with different ones in their beds. I was with one group of the wounded warriors, and after we had prayed and read the word with them, we were giving out scripture booklets, and one of them grabbed my arm and says, I already have one of these booklets. This is something my Christian mother sent me when I went through the war. I want you to hear how God answered my prayer on the battlefield. I stopped and I listened. He told his story. Our squad was sent into enemy-controlled territory to scout out and get intelligence. But when we tried to get out, the enemy fire was so thick that we realized that we would have to split up and meet at a rendezvous point. So I found myself on my own, trying to get through enemy lines. Oh, it was summertime and it was so hot. I didn't have water. I prayed, God, if you are really there like my mother believes, please, please get me water. I am running out of strength. What do you think happened? To, to my amazement, clouds began to cover the blazing sun. In the middle of the day, within 20 minutes of praying, we had a rain shower. I spread out my plastic poncho and collected water to drink. I, I was so grateful. But as I drank and drank, another thought came to me. Lord, how I would love to have some cold water right now. Five minutes later, the rain was mixed with hail. Literally, ice is coming down into the water that I have collected. Huh, I drank and then I poured the rest of this cool water into my canteen. I made it to the rendezvous point, and each one of the guys were all asking each other, does anyone have any water? Does anyone have any water? When I gave them my canteen with cool water, they also asked in amazement, how did you get this cold water out here on the battlefield? And I told them the truth. I told them the God of my mother had heard my prayers. As I listened to this young man's story and then continued to share with him about how he can have a relationship with the same God of his mother, I thought about how loving and faithful our Lord is to hear these most primitive and most basic prayers of these desperate soldiers when they cry out to him. He cares and he shows his power and his love and his mercy to reveal himself to them. One day, as I was traveling along the front-line positions, I was wearing bulletproof vests and helmet. I had the chance to spend a lot of time with 
another Ukrainian officer. His job was actually to escort me from point to point so I can minister to and speak to the different soldiers. This man, he has heard me sharing and also hears testimony of soldiers who affirm how God has answered our prayers. Toward the end of one day, the officer looks at me. He says, Yuri, you know, I'm an atheist. Before the war, I was a teacher. I am educated. I am convinced that God does not exist. <laughs> I have even read the Bible, and I'm still convinced that there is no God. I smiled at him. My drug, my friend, keep reading. And you will see that there is a God, and you will see that he loves you. Come, my comrade chuckled and shook his head. But we have kept in touch through the war. We frequently see one another. Just recently, he calls me. I pick up phone. Oh, spasiba, oh, spasiba, oh, spasiba, spasiba. Thank you, thank you, he is saying. I did not understand what he was saying, but he begins to explain. He was calling from a hospital. He had been taken to this hospital after being wounded in action. His lung had been punctured and his arm badly injured. He told me, Yuri, do you remember how I was convinced that there was no God? Well, the moment I came under fire and when I was wounded, all those atheistic ideas blew away like the wind. I found myself calling upon God and I felt, I, I knew in my heart that he was real. We talked more together and I was able to explain the gospel, share with him about Christ. And I was able to hear and listen to my atheist friend give thanks to the Lord Jesus and ask him for salvation. <laughs> I am convinced that our God is using even these terrible events in my country, Ukraine, to bring souls to himself. I don't know how it is going to end, but God's kingdom is coming. God's kingdom is at hand. People are praying, calling out to the Lord. Our Father in heaven is good, and men are praising him for hail on the battlefield. Mothers are praising him for the protection of their sons, and atheists are finding him to be a refuge. And that, my friend, is good news. I mentioned earlier that Yuri Fedorenko is not supported by Gospelink personally, but many people have donated to the Ukrainian War Relief Fund, which Gospelink set up last year. That fund has bought food, clothing, medicine, and fuel to transport refugees to safety. Hundreds of people have given to this fund, and we have used your donations in many, many ways. And one such way was to purchase a vehicle for Yuri Fedorenko. Right now, I probably don't have to tell you that transportation for chaplains is not a very high priority for the Ukrainian military budget. But that vehicle was an answer to one of Yuri's prayers. 
We want to raise enough money to purchase a vehicle for another chaplain that Yuri knows. The cost is right around $5,000. If you would like to give, you can call Gospel Link or you can donate online. Cupofgoodnews.org will have a link in which you can do that. 50 people, $100, another chaplain will get a car. Even if you cannot donate now, you should check out the photos that Yuri sent me with this report. They are photos of Yuri sharing the gospel. Ukrainian young men hearing about a God to whom they can pray in wartime. These photos warm my heart and I've posted them on cupofgoodnews.org. I mean, I haven't seen anything like these photos on the mainstream media. An army chaplain preaching Christ? That's good news from a far country.